is Jokio, our Sailor Moon podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Isha, and in this episode we'll be talking about the first four acts of the Dream slash Dead Moon arc in the Sailor Moon manga. Yay! I'm really glad that we got here because this is my favorite arc in the manga. It's really good, and I'm I'm glad we finally escaped uh, Sailor Moon R. <laughs> <laughs> There hasn't there has not been a bad arc in the manga yet. Sailor Moon R, like the the Black Moon arc, is definitely the weakest of all of the manga arcs so far. But um, but it's not saying much, you know. Yeah, for it to be a weaker arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love this story. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's really pretty. Yeah, and it it proves that you don't have to be really good at drawing something to incorporate it into your story like pegasus is a perfectly capable <laughs> passable horse <laughs> it's passable perfectly passable horse but drawing animals is definitely not uh, takochi sensei's strength strength it's not if you just look at how like artemis and luna and diana are drawn it's it's very much like, yep, that's a cat. Not a good one. But it's a perfect it's cute. They're perfectly yeah. cute cats. You they you know what they are and they do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like I didn't even think about how like weirdly like now that you've said it, like, yeah, his <gasps> legs are weird. He's he's all kinds of weird and it's fine. Like his proportions are all it's fine. He's perfectly passable. Somehow he's still pretty. You know? He's very pretty. That's the thing about her artwork is like some things are drawn really strangely, but it's still really aesthetic. So here's the thing. The way that Helios is drawn in like Pegasus form is very much like the last unicorn, but with wings. He's blockier. He's a little blockier, but it's very last unicorn. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got that vibe. Yeah, like she's not doing it. She's not doing the best job. But that's kind of like that sort of like ethereal. Like this is not yeah. a real creature vibe. It definitely has. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe. Um, <laughs> and he is a perfectly passable horse. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're covering the first four arcs or first four acts. And uh, so that's 39, 40, 41, 42. Uh, uh-huh. We've not really talked about how, like, the manga chapters are divided into acts. But now you know there's 11 chapters in this arc. So, yeah. This one starts with everybody kind of being happy. It starts literally on April 1st. So all of the girls have passed their high school exams. They're all in high school. Minako has joined Juban, so she's not at, like, I think it's Minato Ward was, like, her old school. So now she's going to school with them. So only Rei is, like, she's still attending TA Academy, but all four, the other four are all in the same high school now. Um, Usagi's really happy. Like, we open with, like, a letter that Chibisa's writing to her parents saying that she's become a full-fledged guardian because at the end of the last chapter, like, she became Super Sailor Chippy Moon. Um, she's going home. There's a newspaper article about a solar eclipse, and it says it's like a once-in-a-thousand-year event, which is not true. <laughs> uh, I think they're just referring to it being a total solar eclipse visible from Japan. 
Yeah, that's not a once in a thousand year event. Well. It's fully not. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, that's definitely not the case. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, the, the second page, like, there's all these Sakura, and they're all wearing their high school uniforms, and it's very sweet, and Usagi's really happy that she's in high school, and then Rei, Ami, and Chibiusa are all like, it's amazing you passed. <laughs> Ami does it in a very kind way, though. Uh, Ami is more encouraging. Uh, Ami, what she oh. says, wasn't meant to be a dig at her. It just accidentally was, you know? Yeah, but I feel like manga Ami is fully aware, like, ah, yes, the attitude is bullying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think she was meaning to. It's just like... No, I feel like, like it was... The way it was framed, it was like Rei, Ami, and then Shibi Usa. And it's just like, no, Ami is part of this, like, Usagi worked really hard. But, like, you could tell, like, as the person who's tutoring Usagi, Ami is like, holy shit, my dude. <laughs> yeah. And then Minako is like, I'm so excited to take makeup exams with you. And yeah. Isagi's just like, come on, like, have a somebody, little pride. Somebody some, believe in me. <laughs> have some confidence. Well, because Minako's stupid too. So. <laughs> but Minako, Minako owns it. <laughs> Minako is just like, we're going to be taking makeup exams, but at least we'll be doing it together. Right. Oh, and then we it's see Mama Chen, and Mama Chen has finished high school, and now he's in college, and he's a he's a medical student. And I had to look this up because they're like he's a pre med student at this university, but like says he's in medical school, but it's weird. So I was like, okay, how does medical school work in Japan? And like many other countries, you can go directly from high school into medical school, but oh. instead of it being four years, it's a six year program. So you have oh. four years of non-clinical studying and then you have two years of clinical studying and then you get like whatever their equivalent of a residency is interesting he also has so now really, he has a cute necklace he has a cute outfit oh, he looks necklace. so good he looks he looks he so looks good. good um it's it's a nice moment they're all they're all meeting because Chibius is going home the cats aren't there because they're really upset about diana leaving with Chibiusa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all of them are like, Chibisa, did you pack everything? And we get like a little corner thing because they're like, do you have Luna P? And there's like a little corner thing of like Luna P being like, yeah, I'm not featured anymore. <laughs> 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 and so they split up, like the inners like let the Moon family go off and have like their last moments together before Chibisa goes to the future. But the park that she would teleport from is full of people because they're all there to see the eclipse. And, um, like, initially, they're handed, like, things to protect their eyes because you're not supposed to look at a solar eclipse with the naked eye unless it's, like, unless it's full and complete. You can see it complete with a naked eye, but before then, if you look at it with your naked eyes, they will be damaged. Don't do it. And we have a thing for eye protection, and then for the rest of the chapter, for the rest of that moment, they're all looking up at it without any eye protection. And please don't ever do that. <laughs> Don't ever do that. <laughs> yeah. As the eclipse is happening, they hear a bell, and Usagi and Chibiusa turn around and they see a unicorn pegasus, uh, which is a horse with a horn on its forehead and wings, saying, Young maiden, please help. And Chibiusa and Usagi are like, Was he talking to you or me? And they fight about it? If, am I remembering that correctly? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they fight over who he's referring to because they're like, Maiden? Am I the maiden? And, and they start fighting because it's, like, Usagi's, like, 
he wouldn't be referring to a little brat as a maiden. And Chibius is like, well, he wouldn't be referring to an old hag as a maiden. <laughs> right? And, and then they're stopped because Mamo-chan is like, was that guys- a horse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys just see a horse? They're it's like, over here that- arguing. <laughs> it's like a Pegasus and they're like, you saw it too? <laughs> but then Mamo-chan has chest pain and then we look up and we see the dead moon circus pirate ship in the sky telling everybody to come to the circus. But the regular audience doesn't hear only the moon family and the inners who are watching the eclipse separately hear, see that and hear that. And Ray gets very uncomfortable. And at this moment, her crows Phobos and Deimos appear with like a newspaper and the moon tarot card. And they stab the tarot card into the paper with the eclipse on it with their crow feathers. Yeah. And Ray is like, we need to go find our moon family. We need to go now. Right. Yeah, the moon family's in danger. Uh, the other people do see the the ship because every but everybody just thinks it's like a a trick. They're like, wow, that's really cool. I'm gonna oh, check out that it. circus. Oh, okay. I wasn't yeah. sure if like people saw the ship or if they were just like, oh, they're advertising the circus because it goes from like nothing mentioned about the circus to. All of them, like, going and, like, leaving the the park area, because obviously it's too crowded for Chibisa to teleport, and seeing, like, the shopping district full of flyers and and sales for this circus because it's coming into town. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it was um, played off, like, as though it had been uh, some clever advertisement, you know? Mm. That's the impression I got from the, the scanlation. Okay, um... But, yeah, they see all of these sale promos. They go and they check out the sales. And um, Isaki and Chibiisa find these little glass kaleidoscopes. And they get Mamoru to buy it for them. And they're they're happy with their kaleidoscopes. But, like, everybody else, Mamo, the cats, the cats have caught up at this point. The inners, they're all like, the circus is suspicious. Yeah. Like, we don't know what this is, but it's bad. I mean, <laughs> it's called the Dead Moon Circus. She they got... come from the Amazon. Well, this is wild. They're like, we come all the way from the Amazon jungle to Japan. And I will say, the Amazon rainforest is in Brazil, and there is actually a large population of Japanese people in Brazil. Um, so, you know what else I'll mention, actually? There's a lot of circuses that come out of South America. Mmm. Yeah. Like, uh, there's one that comes through here every few years, the Wagner mm-hmm. Circus. Oh. And it's it's uh, South American. Um, oh. Yeah, it's got a German surname attached. And a lot of a lot of yeah. Germans immigrated to Argentina after World War Two. Exactly, and they're they're um, this group, the Wagner one. I'm pretty sure is Argentinian. So, yeah. um, so that I don't know if that was intentionally attached to that like i don't know how far spread these south american circuses go but um and we they definitely are don't thing. know if that was the case in the 90s uh well they've been around for a while but uh some sure circuses... but would their reach have been international in the 90s is what I'm yeah saying. that i don't know that I, I that's why i say i really don't know if it's actually tied to that but that's kind of a interesting side note that there are a lot of small circuses that come out of south america and do travel pretty far wow i didn't know that that's pretty cool yep 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 all right so 
Um, after would they finish up shopping, uh, they decide to have a Min family sleepover. And, like, he's talking to Mamoru, like, hey, Chibi's, is it okay that you don't go home today? Because we sent the letter. And she's like, no, it, it's, the, the date for the letter was April 1st, so Mom's just gonna assume it's an April Fool's joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neo Queen Serenity is still Isaki. Yeah. And so they go to Mamori's place for a sleepover, and Mamori's slightly uncomfortable by it because, like, Chibisa and Isagi are just like, whatever, we're going to stay at your place. And Isagi calls her mom and lies and says that she's going to be staying with Mako-chan doing homework. <laughs> and then we get, like, this this moment where, like, Isagi's just like, we have a pure relationship for with her and Mamoru, and I'm just like, does that mean y'all haven't had sex yet? Yeah, that's... Because it's That's definitely implied a couple of times that, like, n- you know, they've done the horizontal tango. I feel like <laughs> that's been implied. Yeah, but they it in the manga though. It also the version I read it does it definitely seems to be implying that they haven't gone that far yet. Um, mm-hmm. And it it seems like uh, the version I read, she's making some implications about you know, being a high school student now. She wants mm-hmm. to spend some alone time with him now that she's a high school student. But, um... Oh, yeah, th- there's, there's like, in these four chapters, there's a lot of... Isagi wants to spend some time alone with Mamoru, and she's yeah. kind of annoyed that Shadis is always around, because she's just like, I can't do anything when you're here. <laughs> yeah, which gets compounded after the next battle. Yeah, but we'll get to we'll that. We'll get to. Yeah, yeah. so... They're all in bed together, like, Isagi's jealous of Chibiusa because Chibiusa's just cuddling right up to Mamoru, and Isagi can't, and she's like, kids have it so lucky, and then Chibiusa gets angry and is like, no way, like, adults have way more freedom, it's way better to be an an adult or older than it is to be a small kid, um, and then Chibiusa asks Mamoru, like, Mamoru diffuses this, and then Chibiusa's like, tell me a story! And they're like, oh, did your mom used to tell you stories? And she's like, oh, yeah. And then, like, shares some of the stories. And, like, at one point, it's just, like, zombies and stuff. And both Isagi and Mamoru are like, what the hell? Well, the story she shares is about um, mirrors. Which well, is the last type. the last one is, the last one she talks about, which is the one that's important to the plot, is the mirrors. But there's, like, multiple different types of stories that she's told. Yeah. And, like, they get progressively more and more into the horror genre. <laughs> yeah. It's obvious there was a, a wide range of uh, bedtime stories she got. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. But then she's like, oh, yeah, and she told me the story about this cursed mirror. And, um, like, there's not much detail, just, like, there was this cursed mirror. And then we cut to our villains for the very first time. We meet Zirconia. Well, if I could dial back to the mirror. Oh, sure. She was saying... Um, she was saying that the mirror is cursed not to look at it. Uh, she's saying it was a piece of European folklore that mm. you don't gaze into mirrors after dark on the night of a full moon. Because on the night of a new moon. Of a new moon, because they could be cursed and you could be taken into the other side of it into a world where you can't escape. Mm. So we get set up that mirrors are portals to another yeah. world so yeah and usagi gets creeped out by the mirror in Mamoru's uh room yeah she gets... which fair yeah yeah which um actually i have heard that folklore before i was a little bit afraid of mirrors growing up oh wow that's cool yeah 
but I was uh, also afraid of everything. So that well, it's cool that you heard that folklore, not so much that you were scared of mirrors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we meet our villains for the first time. We meet Zirconia. He's kind of like this wrinkled, like literally a wrinkled old hag. Um, reminds me a little bit of Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. Hmm. The colors are off. Doesn't have like the little horn helmet, but does kind of remind me a little bit of Frieza. Um, and her winged eyeball Zircon on her staff. And then we meet the Amazonist Quartet. Sarah Sarah, Pala Pala, Jun Jun, and Vespes. Uh, they're not, yeah, they're not named. Their hair is ridiculous. I love like, it. Absolutely stupid. Like, this is why you don't see people cosplay them. It's not because, like, their outfits are very revealing. It's literally because their hair is impossible. Like, Pala Pala probably has, I think Pala Pala and Vespes have probably the most reasonable hair, but Sarah Sarah and Jun Jun, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, they, they have some very interesting hair designs um it's absolutely bonkers just look it up just yeah we, we can't we even can, sit here and describe you, it there is no describing we cannot describe it. it it's absolutely bizarre um but they do say you know it's just like okay we're here to like cause some shit and they put a ceiling thing to prevent bugs from escaping is what the trans is what um the the more recent the 2011 translation said and Back to our main family, Chibisa is dreaming, and she dreams of Pegasus, uh, and he, you know, is like, get on my back, and she gets on his back, and they tr- fly across Tokyo in this dream, and she sees the Juban area, and it's covered in darkness, and he's like, I need your help, and gives her a bell in the dream, and when she wakes up, the bell is there in real life, so she's like, okay, so this happened, like, this was real. And she wakes up before Usagi or Mamoru, and then she's like, okay, I'm going to leave and go home without them seeing. And so Usagi and Mamoru wake up, and they they have had the same dream. They're like, the Pegasus was in my dream, and then they're both surprised that they had the same dream. And then they realize, and then Mama-chan again has chest pain, and Usagi's concerned, and he's like, it's not a big deal. Like, I just joined college. There's a bunch of, like social events that you have to do you know where they drink a lot of alcohol so he's like it's literally just like college drinking that's all it is like i'm gonna be fine and they realize that chibiusa has gone so they run to catch up to her and chibiusa before they get there is looking into the deep aqua mirror because she doesn't want to go home just yet especially after what's just happened with pegasus but she's like well i said i was gonna go home and then she uses a space time key and it doesn't work she keeps trying until like she literally gets zapped by lightning or something like that. Like, she's... It's not attacked, seems, but she's seems, punished for it. Yeah, there seems to be some kind of power recoil, you know? Yeah, so, like, whatever seal the Amazonist Quartet did to bring up... To seal, excuse me, this area of Tokyo um, is preventing her from leaving. And at this point, Usagi and Mamoru catch up to her, and she tells them that they have to help Pegasus. And at this point, we see Pegasus, like, we see Pegasus there for, like, a brief moment, and then he disappears, and Chibius is like, we have to do something, and then there is a disturbance, because, again, remember, they're in the park in the wee hours of the morning, and they go to check that out, and they, we see Motoki and his sister Unazuki, they're like, what's happening? He's like, they're like, a tiger from the circus escaped? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Chibius and Usagi are like, we gotta go capture this tiger, 
And so they run off, and Mamoru moves to follow. <laughs> yeah, they, they're like, they run off, they transform, and Mamoru's like, I gotta... They don't transform yet, but they run off to, to help, and Mamoru moves to to follow them. But then he collapses with chest pain again, and um, then they do their henshin, and they can't become super sailor moons, because the grails, they need all the power of all the senshi, and they're like, but we're missing three of them now. You know, we're missing right. senshi. But then they get a power up where uh, their Gensui shows get stronger, and they both do their first moon crisis makeup, and they become Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Chibi Moon. And we see Palapala and the tiger, and Chibiusa is, um, Chibiusa uses the bell, she uses Twinkle Yell, and the kaleidoscopes that Mamoru had bought them become the Kaleida Moonscopes, their new weapons, and they do the first moon gorgeous meditation. So, um, what the bell does is it summons um helios the the pegasus if summons his consciousness and so once she summons him that's how he triggers the um kaleidoscopes turning into wands basically their own power that they have inside them gets channeled into the the kaleidoscopes and turns them into new weapons because as usagi and chibiusa are in this fight um they're like we have no weapons. You know, they are finally able to transform, but they have nothing to fight with. And that's when Chibiusa remembers that um, Helios gave her something and told her, you know, if you need anything, call upon me. So she, that's what she does. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I like how that kind of leads into that. But yeah. Yeah. So Palapala in the meantime is like, okay, like, they're fine, but we see, like, these kind of... It's, like, the evil version of the Soot Sprites from Spirited Away. Uh, yeah. And they're called Lemures in yeah. Japanese. And they're actually from Roman mythology. They're the restless spirits of the dead. Mm-hmm. And it's pronounced Lemuries. Because I had... Yeah. I, I googled it, and I was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, they defeat the, the Lemures, and Palapala escapes, the tiger escapes, and Mamoru catches up, and then he colla- and he collapses and from the, the chest pain, and as he fades out of consciousness, he thinks that the Pegasus sounds familiar. And then we go to the enemy, uh, Zirconia names drop Nehalenia, who is our true big bad of the, se- of the season, and Zirconia is yelling at the Amazonist Quartet for failing, for not controlling things properly. Uh, and then the Amazonist Quartet turns three animals, a hawk, a tiger, and a fish, into people. We're introduced to Tiger's Eye, Hawkeye, and Fish Eye. Mm-hmm. And to play a trick on Sailor Moon and Sailor Chippy Moon, Palapala uses her magic as they're detransforming to de-age Usagi and age up Chibiusa because like she looks at what their dreams are or like what they want and Chibiusa is like oh I'm fully not capable of handling this because remember remember Mamoru has collapsed and Chibiusa yeah. is like I don't want to be responsible for this I'm not ready to grow up and Isaki's just like I like I don't want to be a kid like I have to be responsible right now and so Palapala reverses that so Chisagi becomes a child and Chibiusa becomes like a teenager <laughs> and that's yeah. how that so, act ends right 
so what we start to learn is, um, you know, because each villain in Sailor Moon has like a thing. They have like a gimmick and um, it, it's a theme that they, they go with. We start to really see that the theme of this arc is dreams and nightmares. So the Lemuries are, they seem to refer to them a lot as either nightmares themselves or like causing nightmares. And um, the Amazonas Quartet seem to be able to peer into people's dreams and also manipulate their dreams. So this is our first case where we're seeing them, you know, looking into what Usagi and Chibiusa's desires are, what their dreams are, and then turning that into a spell to mess with them. So that's how um, Usagi gets turned into a child and Chibiusa gets turned into, well, a teenager. And they, mm-hmm. they say an adult, but this is, these are not adults. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, she's not an adult. <laughs> yeah. But it's very funny because in the next act, Mamori wakes up, sees that, you know, like the body switch is confused and the innards roll up at this point. And assume, and it's only Rei, Mako, and Minako. We're at and the hospital s- at this point, right? No, I think we don't really see them go to the hospital. There seems to be like a missing scene there, but they they catch up to them. Maybe they are at the no, hospital. No, they are at the hospital at this point. Yeah, yeah. I guess like Shibuya and Usagi bring unconscious Momura to the hospital and then have called the others. We don't see that happening. He's just at the hospital. Yeah, no, and, but they, they show up. And, yeah, yeah, but Mako, Minako, and Rei show up. And as soon as they see, you know, the switched forms, they look at Chibiusa and they're like, Black Lady! Yeah. <laughs> and Chibiusa has no idea what they're talking she's about. She's like, what? Where? Where? And they're like, oh, she's, maybe not. <laughs> she's like, what What are you talking about? Who's Black Lady? What's going on? And they're like, I guess not. And, like, Mamoru's like, huh, I guess so. <laughs> Yeah. And then Ami comes in and she's just like, Chibiusa? Like, what's happened? Like, Ami cottons on real quick. Um, yeah. But sh- but uh, she's the last to come in. And then she's like, it's okay. Like, my mom's going to take a look at you. Because, of course, the hospital they brought him to is the hospital where her mom works. And she examines him. And she's like, you know, so far it looks good. Like, everything looks good. You should be free to go home. And then here's something that really pisses me off. As someone with, a, with like, a health background... They, like, all of the medical professionals tell him, like, oh, you're fine, you can go home. It's just that there's, like, this shadow on your x-ray. I've never seen anything like it before. I've never seen anything like it before, but you can go home. Yeah, and he's they... like, okay, I'll, I'll, schedule, I'll schedule a follow-up appointment with somebody else. And it's just like, I'm sorry if a perfectly healthy young man shows up in my ER with a shadow on his x-ray that I've never seen before, that my radiologists lungs. are going, what the hell is that? I'm like, hey, guess who's getting admitted and getting a CT with contrast and an MRI at minimum plus a bunch of labs? What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. That was my thought, too. I was like, uh, yeah, that's not that's not making any sense for them to just They're like, you're fine, home. go home. It's like, no, what, what is this? What, it's garbage. Which, and of I course, mean, Mamoru doesn't, t- doesn't tell anybody that this is on his x-ray because my boy is pathologically independent. Yeah. Well, and I found that very frustrating because what what starts happening is this, whatever is happening to him slowly starts to progress. He starts coughing blood and he, he, it causes a rift between him and Usagi because he doesn't want Usagi to see him suffering. And he feels like he's so useless that he 
he starts causing a rift between the two of them. Right. And it's like, his insecurities ugh. come back like they were in like Sailor Moon R where he really felt like I don't have anything to contribute. Yeah. And I do kind of like that they show that because it's just like, yeah, one arc isn't going to resolve your issues, you know, like these things like the traumas that you face will come like come back and haunt you and you can do a lot of healing, but there will be things that trigger that. Yeah. And he yeah. just he's he just doesn't want to be useless again. He just doesn't want to interfere. He doesn't want to make her life harder than it already is. Because, like now she's switched bodies essentially, and he's just like I don't I don't want to think about this. And yeah. remember, he's eighteen. He's stupid. Yeah, I feel like it definitely. I think the only reason it's grating on me, because um, I think it's handled really well in the manga. I think the only reason it's grating on me is after having been through. The last couple seasons of Sailor Moon, where these these, <laughs> these BS reasons in the show, where yeah. he keeps putting a rift there between the two of them for stupid reasons, it's kind of like, really, really, Mamoru, you're doing this again. Like, when are you gonna trust her? When are you gonna realize what she wants is to be with you? And when are you gonna yeah. trust her to make her own choices regarding who she has in her life? You know, sure. Because that's what I it will... is. He's, he's like, he's not trusting her to manage her own feelings. It's just like, I need to protect her from this. I need to put a space here because I don't want her to worry about me. As if distancing her is going to make her not worry. She's just going to sure. worry and but that's... also not know what's going on. Yeah, and that's fair. But as like a fellow isolated, traumatized child, like he spent the first 16 years of his life not having anybody. Yeah. And only two years of having all of these people like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing for sure yeah no it makes sense and it's uh, i it's definitely done better in the manga it just mm-hmm. feels that way because we've seen this arc outside of the manga already happen so many more times you know yeah so again in the manga it's it's actually perfectly fine in the continu- continuity but yeah. for me personally it's like, no! <laughs> Stop doing this! It's like, it's okay, it's a different Mamoru. I don't care, stop it! Anyways. Anyways. So but I kind of like, jumped ahead there. Right, so they're all kind of like, how do we undo this? And none of them can really figure out, like, Ami's like, I'm gonna do some research. Maybe, like, it'll get better in the morning. We have no idea. Maybe this will undo itself. And so... Isagi and Chibiusa are like, we can't go home like this. So Chibiusa goes first. Like, Chibiusa takes charge. And she's like, I'm going to go to the Sakina household. And I'm going to hypnotize <laughs> the family so that they don't notice. And, like, she goes and she has Luna P. And she hypnotizes, like, as soon as she enters, like, um, uh, oh, my God. I, like, Ikuko Mama is like, oh, Chibiusa. And then looks at her and is like, what the fuck? And then pulls out Luna P. And it's like. Oh, hello, Usagi. <laughs> yeah. So she just hypnotizes her into thinking it's Usagi. Yeah. And so she leaves, and as she leaves, she accidentally uses the bell, which summons Pegasus. He's astonished to see her. He's like, wow, you truly are the young maiden. And she's like, no, this is what happened. And he's like, mm. <laughs> that sounds bad, but I'm pretty sure you're the one who can unseal the golden crystal. And this is the first time the golden crystal is ever mentioned. Uh, this is very important. <laughs> it's a very important thing, this golden crystal. You know, um, it's kind of funny 
there is kind of a brief part where she's like, who are you? And he's like, I am. And then he stops himself. And he's like, no, it's too soon to say. And, it's- and honestly, honestly, look, that's fair because he is, because as we see later on, he is being held captive and he's basically just astral projecting himself. Yeah. So it's just like, if I, like, I can't, like, if I tell you, other people might be able to listen. We don't know that just yet, but I feel like he's just kind of like, mm, it's too soon. Like, you don't have enough information. And if I tell you, it might, like, wreck whatever's going on with me right now. Yeah, yeah. It is so, kind of just a, I don't know, a funny moment as a fan, I feel like, though. Because, I, mean, I mean, how often yeah. does that happen? <laughs> you know, I don't right, think it's, it's just meant like... To be, it makes sense in the story. I don't think it's meant mm-hmm. to be funny, but it just kind of hits me that way. <laughs> Right, it's definitely one of those moments where, like, you see it in, like, a hundred thousand stories where it's just, like, all of this could have been solved if you had just told me what the hell was going on. Yeah. Uh, Instead of being like, you're not ready yet, or, like, I can't tell you. You know, it's like, just tell me. Yeah. And it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so Chibisa, like, goes to Mamo's place and, like, sees Isagi and Mamori together, like, Isagi is like cuddling up with Mamoru and she wants to because she's like finally some alone time and he's like no thank you <laughs> yeah he's like <laughs> because he, I'm he, sorry you're a little girl right now yeah he looks at her and like there's like in the manga that I have there's like a little side note of like feels like a crime <laughs> <laughs> does it that is not in the scanlation yeah, it's it, it's put there where it's like, mm, feels like a crime. And I'm like, thank you for acknowledging. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I know who you are. You know who you are. We know what our relationship is. You are in the body of a child. I cannot do anything. <laughs> right, right, right. And Usagi complains about Chibiusa after that. And Mamoru is like, hey, like, give her a break. She's probably really freaked out. Like, she's also had this body switch. And she probably misses home and she's not able to go. So, you know, like, she, just because she looks like she's confident and competent doesn't mean she's actually like that. Doesn't mean that she's not scared. And then later we, and then we see his thoughts of his own insecurity. And it's one of those things, like, when I see Chibiusa's struggle and I see Mamoru's internal struggles... It, it's those moments where like Chibi Usa a lot of the times in the manga and in the anime acts like her mom, but she is really more her dad's child. She has a in lot my in opinion with her father. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that insecurity. There's a lot of that wanting to prove themselves. There's a lot of that like wanting to be useful. It's just like I feel very like yeah, these two like this. Is, she is very clearly your child. Yeah. And so Chibiusa, not wanting to interrupt, just kind of, like, peeks her head in and leaves, and she sits in a park, and she's... We get this... The, we finally have it addressed of how, like, Chibiusa is really attached to Mamoru and is like, oh, I'm going to marry you, but, like, in that child way of, like, I'm going to marry my parent. Yeah. And she's like, I love Mamoru, but, like, he's going to be my dad, and, like, I and he has Usagi, and, like, that's not realistic, but she feels lonely, and she wants to have this relationship like her parents. And Diana... I, we haven't mentioned Diana, but Diana is hanging out with Chibiusa this whole time. Yeah, being her support. And she's, she's so cute. And she's like, small lady. And Chibiusa's like, I don't think small applies in this situation. <laughs> I'm not small, am I? Yeah. And Diana's like, lady. <laughs> yeah. But Diana's just like, hey, like tr- you know, like really trying to, to jazz up her best friend. Like really yeah. trying to speak her, you know, speak her up. Yeah. So. Well, and it's oh. cute. It is cute. So what we see is we, we see how this arc kind of comes back around because what what we started with was 
Usagi being jealous of Chibiusa because of how openly Mamoru can like cuddle and love on her and it not really have any stigma or issue, you know? And mm-hmm. Shibuyusa being jealous of Usagi because she can make her own decisions because she's mature and beautiful. Well, she's not really mature, but, you know, physically mature <clears throat> and beautiful. And she can be in a romantic relationship with Mamoru. But what they discover as they've been kind of swapped in these roles is Usagi learn- realizes that while Mamoru can openly be more affectionate with her in this form, only to a certain extent things cannot become romantic when she's in this form when she's a child and Shibuyusa realizes that being in a more mature body does not change the fact that this is her father this will always be her father and he's in love with somebody else he's in love with Usagi so it kind of completes that arc for them they had this dream it didn't turn out to be all that it was cracked up to be and um it gets uh the a big point of it is to get Chibiusa thinking to herself well I want my own prince you know Mm -hmm. uh which is going to lead into where we go with the story next yeah so before we jump to Ami we see Helios in Mamori's apartment in the kind of like transparency mode where like it's kind of like, oh, you he's we see him because this is a physical medium. <laughs> but um he's just kind of ghosty and is worried because he's like, I can't protect you or Elysion right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time we get Elysian mentioned. And then we go to Ami, who's doing research on the anime because she's like, clearly this has something to do with Dead Moon, because none of this was happening before they showed up. Um, wants to like help Usagi and Shibusa switch back. Uh, she realizes that Dead Moon must have erected a barrier around Juban, which is probably why Chibiusa can't go home. Like, Ami is doing research, and she's, and she remembers Setsuna. And what I really like in these, in Act 40, 41, 42, is that they all, like, all of these people remember what the Outer Senshi said to them that wasn't revealed in the previous manga, so it's clear that, like, oh, there was time that they all spent t- with each other. She remembers Hitsuna telling her to train her brain because she is, to train her mind because she is the brain of the senshi and they depend on her. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's really cute. And then her mom comes home and her mom is like, what are you doing awake? It's like one in the morning and, you know, it's just like studying, whatever. And her mom like expresses some real regret at like not being a present parent. And um, we get some backstory about her dad basically abandoning them. And I don't want to go into detail about that in this episode. I want to save that for the character episode. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of like, it, it really drives home the fact that Ami is a very lonely girl. And uh, that's not, that's something that's not, not really explored in the anime that I wish had been. Yeah. Yeah, in the anime, they really just kind of make her the smart one. But in the manga, she's Mm -hmm. got a lot more depth as she's dealing with trying to find her self-worth and feeling alone and trying to be her best to be there for her friends now that she has some. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, uh, We go back to the bad guys. We see a little bit of a shadow of whatever Nehalenia is going to be. And Nehalenia is like, we need to get rid of the white moon. 
destroy them with nightmares. Clearly, like, the white moon no longer has their kingdom on the actual physical moon, which is great for them, but they're still present on Earth, and they gotta, we gotta get rid of that. We gotta go. And it's like, mm, can't have that. They will ruin all of your plans. And Fisheye volunteers. Mm-hmm. And Fisheye is like if the Michelin Man was cute and blue. <laughs> well, his outfit is puffy. His outfit is very... His outfit it's is bubbles. the Michelin Man outfit. It's bubbles. It's the Michelin Man outfit. It looks... Well, Michelin Man is not an outfit. That is him. <laughs> Fisheye, this is his outfit. Fisheye is what happens if he skinned the Michelin Man, dyed it blue, and wore it as a jumpsuit. Okay, so we agree then that Fisheye killed the Michelin Man. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Fish had volunteers, and uh, the next day, Ami is, Ami, like, Isaki and Chibisa are like, we didn't switch back on the phone, and Ami's like, well, that was too too good to hope for. Um, and she goes into this shopping center to, to try to figure out how to switch him back, and she's distracted by a fish store uh, where Palapala is working, and she's like, oh, how pretty, because obviously, you know, tropical fish store, it's gorgeous, and Palapala convinces her to buy a fish, so she's like, yeah, I'll get one for my mom. Uh, the fish is fish eye. <laughs> but yes. she takes it home and she falls asleep and she has a nightmare. She like wakes, she quote unquote wakes up and her mom is home with the man and like making out. And the guy's like, isn't your daughter here? And her mom's just like, don't worry about her. All she's good for is studying. Like she's not my child. And then she becomes like, and then Abby becomes a child, like, running after her dad, who's abandoned her, you know. And, and then we see Fisheye being like, you're lonely and all you want is, you're lonely and jealous and all you want is to be loved at any cost. She fights these illusions and wakes up and calls Isagi, saying, like, the enemy is after her. And the call gets cut really quickly. Yeah. And she gets overwhelmed by the, the Lemures. Then we get teeny, then we get like a teeny tiny Sailor Mercury in her mind, uh, telling her to remember her her true dream, which because like in the beginning of of the of this arc, when the eclipse happens, they all kind of talk about their dreams, and Ami's is of course to become a doctor like her mom, and this tiny Sailor Mercury is like remember your true dream, which is to be a full fledged full fledged Sailor Senshi. And she awakens with her Mercury Crystal power, and we get Super Sailor Mercury, and the Mercury Harp appears, and we get our very first Mercury Aqua Rhapsody, which kills the Lemures, and then the and then Usagi and Chibisa show up as Super Sailor Moons, and they destroy Fisheye, and Mercury and Moon are talking about the enemy, while Chibisa feels insecure because she's just like. Sailor Moon can defeat these enemies and my power is really just borrowed because the Ginsui show is her mom's from the future, right? Right. So she feels really insecure. And then Helios, she she summons Helios with her bell. She summons him with a twinkle yell and tells Helios that he's wrong. She can't be the maiden he's looking for. And he says like, well, what I'm looking for is a young maiden who is a princess guardian with beautiful dreams protected by the moon, bearing a sacred gem, and who can undo the seal on the golden crystal. And Mercury is like, uh, do you mean Princess Serenity? And points at Sailor Moon. And Helios is like, you're Princess Serenity from the moon? And Chibi Moon just runs off. 
Yeah, because she's so heartbroken. Because she, she, and she just like telling herself, I knew it. I wanted it to be me. I wanted to be needed. I wanted to be useful. But I knew, I knew deep down all along that who he was looking for was Sailor Moon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So she runs off and she's upset. And then we see her and he, and Helios appears and she tells him, you know, She's, like, crying, and she's just like, I, I knew it wasn't going to be me. And he kind of uses his own power to see that, like, the whole Sailor team is looking for her because they're worried. And um, he, like, with his little horse mouth, like, kisses her and then turns into a boy. <laughs> his little horse mouth. <laughs> his little horse mouth. He kisses her and then turns into a boy and kisses her with boy lips. Um, and then tells her that she's... <laughs> I'm Am sorry. I wrong? Keep going. <laughs> no, I don't want you to edit that out. I want you to keep going. <laughs> um, and then uh, he tells her, and this is actually really sweet because he tells her that she's very precious and she's surrounded by overflowing love before like whatever power he has is like overwhelmed and he has to, and he disappears. Um, yeah. and it's, then really Isagiya, it's really Isa- cute. It's really cute. It's really cute boy too. He's got. He is a cute boy. He still has like his little unicorn horn in his human form, so he's like, yeah. This, he's got this cute little outfit with gems on it, and he's got like white, flowy, short hair with a little unicorn horn. He's adorable. Helios he, is what horse girl dreams are made of. <laughs> and and he is depicted to be younger, so he mm-hmm. still looks older than Chibiusa. But he looks like a, a young teen. He doesn't, not like Mamoru, where you're like, why? why is That's this a full-grown man. man. <laughs> yeah. He he has a very boyish look to him. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it's cute. It's cute. It's cute. But in disappearing, we see, like, the, like, his spirit return to the body of the Pegasus, which is trapped inside of a cage. And we finally get our first glimpse of Nehalenia, although she's in shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, she's like, give up, boy. And he's like, never. And so she tortures him a little bit, as you do. Yeah. And she, Nehalenia changes her mind. She's like, I don't want to destroy the White Moon. I want to take all their stuff. Yeah. And Zirconia initially is like, oh, that sounds like a bad idea. And Nehalenia is like, really? You're going to defy me? And Zirconia is like, never mind. Yeah, well, the true moon queen. Zirconia's <laughs> like, well, nobody's ever been able to wield the crystal, the silver crystal, except for the silver moon family. And she's like, what are you saying, though? What are you saying? And she's like, are you saying she's I like I, I'm just saying, oh, I mean, of course you're supposed to. Of course you are the true one who's destined to wield it. Of course, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, for a moment, she's like, you know, that might not be a good idea. And you know, backpedals real hard, real fast. Mm-hmm. She's like, never mind. I totally 100% am behind you. This is a great idea. We will do it right away. Uh, and then we go to Ray, who's in her archery club. Um, so I want to say before, like, we continue, archery is sacred in Shintoism, and Ray is a Shinto priestess. So her doing archery, and then, as we'll see later on, her weapon being a bow for Mars Flame Sniper. That mm-hmm. is very significant um, culturally and religiously. Yeah. Uh, so she's in archery club. She, she misses her target. Clearly, like, this has been happening for a while because her teacher's like, you're losing your confidence. 
and uh, she leaves school and uh, her nose is in a book and her friends say like, you look like Ami when you're like this. And she's like, hey, like I'm going through some stuff because there's an economic downturn. Remember, this is the the mid 90s. So like the economic bubble burst in the 80s for Japan. So Japan's going through like a lot of economic struggles right now. Uh, she's like, the, there's an economic downturn. Her grandfather is sick, so he's not able to do his temple duties. So it's all on her and they're not making enough money. So she's concerned. And so Ami's like, okay, hire someone. And she's like, absolutely not. I'm not spending the money to hire someone. And yeah. so Minako's like, get married. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and Ray is furious. Yeah. The the book she's reading in the scanlation is uh, Shrine Management. Mm, I didn't see what it said. I didn't look close enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Minako, she's like, what you need is a son-in-law. And yeah, Ray is like, that's that's ridiculous no she's like well think about it (laughs) and yeah so minako's like no 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 like you're taking this as like go fall in love and have a husband what i'm saying is get married and then make him do all of the work yeah she's like he could train (laughs) so that he could follow in grandfather's footsteps he can do all the maintenance he can do you know he'd make the family proud and he'd do all these things you wouldn't have to do and you wouldn't have to pay him anything Mm-hmm. And she's like, like wouldn't have to and she's yeah and ray's like actually i never thought about marriage in this aspect right she's so. like basically a servant <laughs> yeah she's like oh oh that's fabulous and then at this point the cats show up and are like did you forget that there's literally an enemy in tokyo <laughs> because the circus is opening the next day and um anyway so they're like okay we're gonna go to the circus tomorrow and ray goes home and she's taking care of her grandpa, who's, like, really sick and, like, lying down. And he's he starts reciting, like, a Buddhist chant that you recite before, like, when you're really sick. And she's like, Grandpa, we're Shinto. <laughs> Why are you reciting a Buddhist chant? Yeah. And um, it's it's very cute. Uh, he's so different from the anime. I He's so much better than the He's I such a different character. He's just an entirely different character. Yeah, he's so good. And then, you know, like, there's, like, some girls show up and ask for some, uh... Charms. Charms, there we go. And so she's doing her work, and her grandpa kind of watches her and, like, remembers when uh, she first came to the shrine. And again, like, with Ami, I don't want to go too much into it, because I think this would be really great for their character episode. Uh, But basically, just kind of, like, Ray also abandoned child, um, had, like, really unusually strong spiritual abilities even as a small child her grandpa is very sweet yeah she also like the first day she arrived in the shrine that's when she met phobos and deimos and she immediately named them and he was like um what and she's like who are the crows i saw them yeah they're crows crows. she's like yeah she's like i saw them and they told me their names and he's like who am i to argue (laughs) yeah it's cute (laughs) um I, it's very sweet because her grandfather is looking at this in a very bittersweet way. You know, he remembers when she came and how she started, you know, working at the shrine with him and how she's been studying. But he assumes that someday she's going to want to move on, you know. Mm-hmm. Someday she won't be there at the shrine. But we see when she's saying what her wish is, that her wish is to take over the shrine. You know, take over mm-hmm. her for her grandfather. And we'll see later on that she starts to question, like, is it okay that that's all I'm striving for? Like, that's all I'm Mm -hmm. reaching for? What I've already had? 
when everybody else has dreams that are so far uh, beyond what they're where they are at now in life, you know? Yeah. So we'll, we get that in in the next moment. So we they go to the circus the next day because it opens, and they're all horrified by how expensive it is. <laughs> yeah, because like the the best seats in the house cost um one hundred and twenty five dollars. And we see, like, in the corner, because they're just like, this is insane. And then we see, like, in the corner, like, a tiny zirconia with, like, 10,000 and bills. <laughs> like, just just counting all of this cash. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just real good. It's just really it's good funny. for me. It's just, um, Luna, yeah. It's, it's just it's a so quick f- little moment of comedy. Just a quick little visual comedic gag. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's all you need. It's, it's great. Um, Luna's like, okay, I'm gonna go off and do reconnaissance, so, like, um, what else? Sorry. Luna splits off from the other cats to do recon, and then the others go to the big tent to see the show, but Ray is distracted by, um, a mirror house. Yeah. And, like, she's kind of called to it by Palapala. And so the others go inside the big tent, uh, the, the cats try to go in with all of the humans and Sarah Sarah is the person letting people in and she's like no cats allowed in the tent and they're stuck out so they're stuck outside yeah Uh, and inside the tent everybody is hypnotized by the performance they're doing like an actual circus performance yeah so everybody gets split up um you have the main cast in the tent you have the cats outside the tent and then you have Ray heading to the the house house of mirrors um, mm-hmm. and the, the main group, it doesn't seem like they're, like, entirely being, like, hypnotized or, like, compelled to do anything. It's almost like it's just entirely disorienting, and they're not able to leave the tent once it's started. Like, all the exits, uh, to the tent seem to disappear. But mm-hmm. we see later on that they comment, um, cause they'll, they'll visit a few times. They seem to comment, like, huh. It doesn't seem like anybody else is really being affected in the way that we are. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that as well. So Ray mm-hmm. enters the the House of Mirrors, and um, the first thing she notices is that there's no reflection on the mirrors. Yeah there's, yeah, there's one mirror that does not have a reflection, and when she looks at it closer, she sees a reflection of herself as a child. Yeah. And the, this is when it transitions into one of these um, illusions. The yeah, these nightmares, these illusions that are being created by the the Amazonas Quartet. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's, it's so it like fisheye for Mercury, it's tiger's eye for Ray. And so we get some exposition on her background, which again, I don't want to share in this episode because I think that would make great stuff for their character episodes. And this will go on way too long. Yeah. Oh my god, it's already a really long episode. But it's basically just like you want to, you know, like give up and like marry a rich boyfriend, like marry a rich man and have yourself taken care of. And Ray, and like that's what infuriates Ray. Like she doesn't transform. She doesn't, she immediately throws out Akuryo Taisan and like hits Tiger's Eye with the Hanafuda on his forehead. So he turns and turns back into an actual tiger. Yeah, and she col- and she collapses because again the magic is still working on her, and so Palapala appears to like sculpt Tiger's eye and and then help him out. Yeah, and she sur- and then Mars becomes surrounded by Limeres, and she falls unconscious, 
And outside of the tent, because remember, the cats aren't able to go in, so they're just kind of like, meh. And then they realize that Phobos and Deimos are going insane at the tent. They realize, oh, there's no exit to the tent. And then Phobos and Deimos go to the mirror house. They smash into it. They smash They smash through mirrors. They get in. They attack Tiger's Eye. And then we see Phobos and Deimos turn into, like, little tiny fairy-sized they're women. So cute. They're so cute. And they're like, they remind her of, they remind her that she's Sailor Mars. And they're like, you know, we're here to help you. And we get the Mars crystal. And Mars is like, oh, that's right. I'm Sailor Mars. I'm the senshi that pledged her chastity to Princess Serenity. And then she becomes Super Sailor Mars, summons her mystical bow and arrow, and remembers um Michiru's advice right before she sets off her first flame sniper which is to um concentrate all of your focus and then direct it straight at your enemy and so she kills tiger's eye and the force of her first mars flame sniper actually breaks the spell in the big tent <laughs> mm-hmm. and the the senshi in there are able to get out and bray is bray like catches them up and they're all surprised at the the brainwashing capacity of the dead moon and how they're being specifically targeted instead of like previous where it's just kind of like random civilians yeah like, the senshi are being targeted yeah and the amazonist quartet are really mad because they've lost twice now and hawkseye is like my friends are dead <laughs> yeah yeah they're getting through these three real fast um mm-hmm. yeah it's we in the anime, we have them forever. Yeah, they're they're the they're the lesser they're the lesser villains that we get to kill off first, you know. But we follow mm-hmm. them for a while. Yeah, they're supposed to be our Ayakashi sisters, and yeah. it's, anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yes. So with Act Forty Two, we see Chibiusa looking into the deep aqua mirror, and she tries to summon Helios again, and he doesn't come. Um, and. Usagi, like, pops in because, you know, Chibius is feeling a little sad. She's like, you want to come with me to see Mamoru? Because he's still sick. Um, and Chibius is like, nah, I've decided not to get in your guys' way anymore. And, Chibi- and like, Usagi's like, what's wrong with this child? Right. <laughs> she really is sick. So Chibius is like, I gotta ask someone else for help. And she thinks of, like, all of the, the inners. And she's like, mm, can't ask Ami because I'll get a lecture. Can't ask Ray because she'll get mad. Can't ask Minako because she's going to ask really inappropriate questions. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's really funny because so we see that Chibiusa is, you know, she kind of has a crush. She has a crush on, on Helios. And uh, she's kind of at war with herself because... She's used to her only crush being uh, Mamoru. She really hasn't experienced a real crush before. And so mm-hmm. we see her have this moment where she's like, basically saying, like, I feel like I'm cheating on Mamoru. And uh, like, I'm an adulteress. And <laughs> and Diana is like, this label does not fit you. Right. <laughs> you, nobody Diana... here is married. <laughs> <laughs> None of this fits. And, and then, yeah, she's like, this doesn't work. Diana is the voice of reason. Like, Diana yeah. is the best character of Sailor Moon. <laughs> and then it clicks back to Chibiusa reiterating the point that it doesn't matter how I feel for Mamoru, he is my dad, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's when she's like, okay, I need to talk to one of the other senshi uh, for advice. And through process of el- elimination, uh, decides on Mako-chan, which is a good choice. 
Um, it's really sweet. I think it's so sweet how she, they have this big pool of friends. They have this community together, you know, because yeah. she has all these aunties, you know, like, which of my aunties am I going to turn to for this issue? And it's really right. sweet. I love that she has it, that. It's really, it's really lovely. I also love that Diana the whole time is telling Chibiusa, is really just validating Chibiusa's feelings and also being like, like really grounding her. Yeah. She's a good friend. I love friend. Diana. Diana's a, she's so good. She's so good. Uh, anyway, we see Nehalenia and Zirconia. Nehalenia kind of reverses the mirror mirror. So even though Nehalenia is the one in the mirror, she's basically like having Zirconia like compliment her. Yes. It's pretty funny. It's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Um, and she tells, uh, she tells Zirconi, you know, we have, the white moon is destroyed. We have Elysion. Like, all we need to do is get rid of the survivors. Yeah. Meaning, like, Sailor Moon and her friends. And, you know, they'll have Earth. And we see Mamo-chan in pain. Um, he's, he's kind of, he's just resting and he's fidgeting and he's really just in pain. And we see the spirits of the Shitano, who we haven't seen in God knows how long. Uh, because remember, he has, like, their little rocks just hanging out. Um, it's cool, Mamoru. I also get the urge to collect cool rocks. Uh, <laughs> but they can't um, do but, anything for him. Yeah, so they just kind of, like, appear over him and they feel bad because he's their prince and there's nothing that they can do. And then they disappear as as soon as Isagi appears. Well, and, and Mamoru starts coughing up. So they're watching him. He coughs up some black blood, and he hides mm-hmm. it as, as Usagi arrives. Um, yeah, so Usagi arrives. She's brought him food. She's brought him stuff. She's brought him things to make him feel better. And um, he's like, thanks, but do you mind going home today? I really want to go back to sleep. And she, you could see she's hurt, but she kind of keeps a smile. She's like, oh, okay, well, you know, you can always call me, you know, and she heads mm-hmm. out and we see that she's, she's, you know, she's heartbroken. She's been wanting so badly to spend time with him. She's been so worried about him. And here he is sending her away. Yeah, and, she's really upset by it. And he's just feeling bad. He, we, we get more insight as to why he's doing this again, you know, because he, he does not mm-hmm. want to worry her. He does not want to be a burden. Yeah. Um, and then we get to the... the it really related a lot to Mamoru in these <laughs> first few episodes. Yeah. We get to the inner senshi who have been going to the circus every day to try to gain more information. Um, but every time they attend the circus itself, everybody gets, like, dizzy and disoriented. And um, there's mention well, of they them... Get dizzy. They get dizzy and disoriented, but it's not the same as it was as the first day that they went. Mm, Okay. So they're like, it's still weird, but they're, they also, but they do notice, like, they're the only ones who feel this way. Yeah. All of the other, um, circus goers seem to be perfectly fine. And, but they also notice that, like, because of the circus, like, the Jubon district is getting dirtier, and it's, like, full of, like, all of the circus advertisements, and we see, like, as the audience that, um, that lemures are, like, being generated off of this trash. Yeah, yeah, like, trash is piling up. Just, just like as happens when, when crowds, you have crowds constantly. Yeah. Um, and then and, um, we move on then, to Chibiusa going to uh, Mako-chan. And Mako, yeah. like, immediately is like, oh, is it a crush? 
you know? <laughs> it's so great because, like, Chibisa, like, asks all formally and Mako-chan's like, mm, it's a boy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> But then she doesn't, she doesn't make it weird either, though. She's like, let's go shopping. We'll pick up some stuff. We'll make some food and sit down and chat. And she's like, yay. Yeah, she's like, she's like, yeah, 100%. You came to me to talk about it. So we'll talk about it. Let's talk about it over some food. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's um, really cute. So they go grocery shopping. And as they're grocery shopping, it's interrupted by a very loud customer going like, don't you have this? Don't you have this? And it's all of these, like, exotic medicinal items. Herbs. It's not even medicinal. No, it's, they are. It, they are medicinal, but it's but they're also just used regularly in cooking and drinking. Uh, some of them are. Some of them are specifically medicinal. Yeah, but it, asking for like South, essentially like South American ingredients that definitely wouldn't be found in like a grocery store in Japan. And so Mako interrupts, and she's like, "If these are what you're looking for, you should probably go to like a foreign grocery store because they wouldn't be carrying it in a store like this." And it's. And then the person is just like, oh, actually what I was doing was market research, which is like, that's the rudest way to do market research, but okay, <laughs> you are a villain, because it's Hawkseye. And Hawkeye, Hawkeye is physically male, but like in quote unquote civilian form, like dresses like a woman. They all seem to kind of, in their, yeah. in their bad guy form, they all seem to dress very androgynous. Um, yeah, and then Tiger's Eye is probably the most like uh, like the most male, but still very say. much not. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Hawk's Eye just flat out cross dresses when in when in human form. Yeah, um, is definitely dressed like his outfit is amazing. Yeah, no, he's fab- the outfit all three really of them good. are fabulous, but especially especially Hawkeye. No, 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 no. I'm ta- no, I'm talking. I'm talking about Hawkeye in this grocery store, like the dress yeah. that Hawkeye is wearing. Yeah, gorgeous. It's pretty great. Um, so anyway, Hawkeye is like I was doing market research because they've opened an herb shop, and then you know, so it's like Amako's just like wait those those things that you were mentioning, like those are all, those are all from the Amazon, and he's and Hawkeye like yep, and she's like are you with the circus? And Hawkeye like yep. He's like, yeah, I've always wanted to open an herb shop and like renting here is pretty inexpensive. So I thought it'd be a really Mm -hmm. cool, good opportunity to to set up. And of course, uh, it's sad that when the circus moves on, I'll have to move on too. But I'd really like to set up branches all over the world, permanent branches all over the world someday. Mm -hmm. And he goes on talking about it as his dream. Right. And because Mako-chan's dream is to... Is not just to be a bride, but it's also to have a bakery and a, a flower shop. You know, she shares that with Hawkeye. And he's like, oh, that's so great. And then Hawkeye's like, as my first customers, here's like a ring. And he gives a ring to both Chibiusa and Mako-chan and then sends them on their way. And he says like, oh, you know, if you wear these rings, it'll make your dreams come true. That sort of thing. It's, it's this is a stone from the Amazon, it's blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, whatever. So they go back to Mako's place. They cook dinner. It's very cute. Uh, Mako, while preparing that, like, looks at the ring and she thinks about her dream and how, in addition to, like, marriage, children, um, and the shops, she wants to have a family because her parents are dead, so she doesn't have a family, which I think Mm -hmm. is a very natural and reasonable thing. But also that she wants to be as pretty as Michiru and as strong as Haruka. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I really love how... Even though the outer senshi are not active players in this part of the story, 
how um, the impact that those characters had on our main cast is still present. Mm-hmm. So they're not there physically, but the spirit of those characters is still influencing our main cast. So they still matter, which right. I think is really cool. But it's yeah. Great. Yeah. It's very funny because like Chibiusa and, <laughs> and Mako have their dinner. And we later see Chibiusa at Mamoru's house basically filling him in on, on her day. And <laughs> she they completely forgot to talk about boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The topic at hand got forgotten. And yeah, Mamoru but... thinks it's interesting that the the whole circus situation and that, that the stone is supposedly from the Amazon. So he mm-hmm. asks if he could keep it. Um, and Chibiusa had just kind of thrown hers in her bag, unlike um, Mako, who was actually wearing hers. And mm-hmm. Chibiusa's like, yeah, you can have it. And once he's gone... He, he, thinks it, he thinks it's suspicious. Yeah, which is not surprising, considering yeah. who we're talking about. Uh, so he, he, like, cracks the gem to examine it and doesn't find anything strange about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next day, uh, Mako goes back to the, the herb shop. And I before feel... we before wait before we hit oh. on Makachan again, I just want to say that like as Chibiusa leaves, oh, yeah. we see Usagi waiting outside, and she tells Usagi that you know she did everything that she asked, but it says like why don't you go in? And Usagi's just like oh I'll see him later. I just you know I just wanted you to check in on him, and it's because Usagi doesn't want to get rejected again, and it's so upsetting. Yeah, it is because she knows that he's not going to turn away Chibiusa. So he, it's obvious that she had asked Chibiusa to go in to kind of look after him and make sure he was okay, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and then we, we go to Mako who returns to the herb shop and it's kind of too bad. Like, I know this whole thing has been a ruse, but it was kind of nice seeing Hawkeye in a, in a sense where he seemed to have his own dreams and, um, goals Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, this is when we discover that this was all a ploy. Um, yeah, she goes in. She's like, I think I'm on the wrong path. But then as soon as she says that out loud to Hawkeye, she's like, well, that's messed up. Uh, and that's when um, the Lemurans attack. Well, and... she she starts talking about her, maybe I don't want to be... A... She starts talking about herself as a senshi. She hasn't, she thinks about herself as a senshi, but she's like, you know, I've had, I've been on this path, you know, but I have these dreams, and she thinks that, like, what she's doing right now, like, puts her on the wrong path, essentially. Oh, okay, I didn't know it was still internal. I thought she was kind of being compelled to say this out loud. Um, no, she doesn't say that she's a senshi, but Hawkeye, like, fully knows that she's a senshi. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, that's when it kind of, like you said, the Lemuries start to, uh, infiltrate and Hawkeye is like, well, if you're, if you have other dreams, if you're sick of being a senshi, why don't you just quit, basically? Yeah. And that's and when. She's a... Yeah. And that's when Hawkeye and um, the Liberais attack and she falls unconscious and the Amazonist Quartet appear. So and they're thrilled because they're like, we're going to kill her. And unconscious Mako, like in her dreamscape, mindscape, whatever like, wakes up to see a tiny version of herself who's just, like, pull it together. Get it together, girl. You yeah. know? And in the translation that I have, the 2001 translation, 
Um, it's basically just like uh, you, the group needs your monster strength. You know, like what are they <laughs> supposed to do without monster strength, uh, Jupiter? And she's like, yeah, what are they going to do without my monster strength? <laughs> and uh, she remembers Haruka's words to her, which is uh, your greatest enemy before you defeat any physical foe is your own weakness, which I think is fucking amazing. Uh-huh. That's such a good quote. <laughs> That's so good. So she wakes up, she becomes, she gets Jupiter crystal power. She does, she becomes super sailor Jupiter. She does Jupiter Oak evolution. She kills Hawkeye. Uh, and she sees the Amazonist quartet get away. And Isagi and Chibi used to appear just in time to see them run off. And then the bell rings because uh, I think they're transformed, right? Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Chippy Moon? Uh, they arrive, Chats? I don't remember. I don't remember if they arrive transformed or not. But they're there, because they have to be. <laughs> Let me just... I had it. I have it open here. Anyways. Yeah, no, they, they transform. Oh, it's later. They do. They, I have it they show here. up, they see Jupiter, and then they transform. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. They transform so, right away. They transform instantly. So Yeah, so the bell rings, and Helios appears to say that Mamoru is in danger, and the moon girls run to his apartment, and they see him coughing up black blood. And yeah. that's the end. That's that's as far as we go. That's the end of Act 42. This has been a little bit of a supersized episode, but whatever. Yeah, it's not that long. Uh, but we also do see... Um, Helios is there as well. He's like protecting yes. Mamoru. So they, they burst into the apartment to rescue him and they find he's coughing up black blood. He's being attacked by um Lemuris. And yeah. and uh Helios is over him protecting him. So yeah. this is a separate beat from Jupiter's situation. We 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 leave Jupiter does her thing where she um defeats her baddies. Yeah. And then we have this encounter where Chibiusa and Usagi run off to go help Mamoru after being alerted by the, the bell. Um, and yeah, so then we leave on a cliffhanger because oh, I know what's going to happen. Our boys yeah, are in danger good... and the girls don't know what to do. It's a good cliffhanger, and now finally, like, the secret that Mamoru has been holding, like, the past four chapters is revealed. It's just, like, you can't hide from this anymore. We all know now. Yeah. And you know what? I As, as frustrated as I get with it, I can also relate to this, especially, you know me with all my health problems, how mm-hmm. I, I try not to alert people because I'm always, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm so frequently dealing with something that I don't want it to be like the only thing that that's ever talked about yeah it's especially if you're used to doing things by yourself and handling things by yourself and taking care of other people's problems and your own problems that when you're finally in a situation where you can't actually rely on other people you don't know how to do it it's true like i i came home from an event um because i also work with a, a costume company and I'll do events with them. And uh, I had worn historical footwear. And um, mm-hmm. both of my toes, uh, they, were, they were new footwear. They hadn't really been broken in that well yet. And when I got home, my my two big toes both had some really bad bruising. 
and oh, no. uh, yeah, and I my bruises heal very slow. Um, so it was I don't know, a couple weeks later or so that um, Ron, my boyfriend, noticed. He's like, "When did this happen?" And I said, "Oh, you know, this happened this uh, at this point. It's not a big deal. There, you know, this happened at the last event. They're they're fine." Right. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? And I said, well, it's not a big deal. And he's, and he's like, you've been wearing socks this entire time since you've been back. Why didn't you tell me? I was like, because it's just bruises on my toes. It's not a big deal. He's like, I want, it doesn't matter if it's a big injury, a small injury. I want to know when you're hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was, that was really hard to wrap my brain around to be like, but why do you need to know, though? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, I've got a handle. You don't need to know. It's like it. But on the uh, opposite side, you know, I would want to know if he was dealing with an injury, even if it was something fairly small, you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's still like if you look at my my toenails, it's been months now. And because the the bruise was so deep, there's still um, you can still see it. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's actually not as small as I was like as it is in my mind. Like it looks pretty bad. you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there's there's just something about it when it's you, when it's yourself and you don't want your partner to worry there's things that you just kind of stuff away. And it's like, that is not healthy behavior. It's not. And like, fundamentally, I think we, especially lately with how isolated people have become, we forget that humans are a collaborative species. Yeah. Um, you, there is no such thing as a self-made man. You cannot exist um, or succeed or even fail without other people. Yeah. Yeah. And- so we we cannot have the highs of humanity or even the lows of humanity without working together and hiding things from your romantic partner will only cause a rift even if Mm -hmm. you don't want hiding hiding things from your friends hiding things from anybody where there is reciprocal love and care regardless of whether it's romantic or platonic it's not good yeah well because even if it's even if you think it's a small thing or even if your intentions are good how can they trust you after that Mm mm-hmm you know, if you have a history of lying to them about things being wrong, how can they believe you when you say you're okay? So, on that cheerful note, thanks for listening. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Pod, or contact us through email at Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Barbara Daly for the use of her artwork. Please rate and review us wherever you find us, or... Tsukini kawatte! Oh, she's up.